2: Hey, you're right, March 28th, we will be at Pickles, it's going to be a party, and joining us now, former GM of the Blue Jays, executive for the Mets, A's, and Giants, and now the host of The Brushback with JP, he is JP Ricciardi. And JP, let's start locally with the O's, reigning ALE's Champions most wins in the American League. What are you expecting for an encore in 2024?
1: Well, I think the Orioles are going to have a good club. I mean, I don't think it's a surprise on anybody. I think the only question is going to be is, how do they handle the success they had last year? You know, they're not going to sneak up on anybody. People are going to know when they come into town. Uh, You know, so they're going to to just be a club that people are aware of now. I think last year they, they caught fire and people we're a little bit surprised that it happened so fast, but I think this year with uh, what they've, what they've already accomplished and all the hype they have around all their good young players. uh, I think that the big question is how do they handle this success and how do they turn that into continued success?
3: JP, you're obviously not privy to all the specific medicals about Kyle Bradish and his UCL um, sprain, strain, boo-boo, whatever we want to call it. Um, But it is a young starting pitcher, right, whose innings went up. And now we're talking about um, UCL discomfort. And John Means hasn't pitched a full season in three years. And, you know, his recovery from TJ hit a a bump last year. And now he's behind as well. Just from the outside, are are you surprised at all about sort of the way the O's are trying to navigate this thing and the fact that to this point, Julio Tehran is. Really, the only insurance move they 've made outside of the burns trade, but obviously that you know goes back about a month
1: well you know one, one thing you know when you when you're part of an organization is you know more than anybody on the outside, so obviously they know the condition of those mm-hmm. those injuries a lot better than we do, so they have to have a little bit of an understanding of when they think they might get those guys back uh, you know the u c l that thing starts barking on you. Uh, I mean, it's, I, I hope that the player is okay, but usually it's the sign of something coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's going to be their challenge, their depth on the mound. I don't know if they have enough at the AAA level behind those guys that can pick up the slack. Um, you know, most organizations, when you're really good, you've got five quality starters and two behind them that can at least pick up the slack. I think their depth on the mound is going to be their biggest question. Uh, going to be a great lineup. Uh, I think the the, the Achilles heel for this team is two things. One, the depth of their pitching staff, and two, the fact that everybody knows them now.
3: So if you were Mike Elias, and all that is the backdrop to this, and Scott Boris has a couple of lefties out there, and and this team moved a wall back, right, in part to help left-handed pitching, and I think they've only had like 17 starts from lefties since they did it, Uh, would you be going to ownership, new ownership coming in with deep pockets, saying, hey, man, I think we could get Jordan Montgomery, who shoved against us in the playoffs. I mean, he wants, you know, 20 a year on a long-term deal. Maybe we could give him 23 or 25-plus incentives and rent him for that. Would you be making that case to ownership?
1: Well, I think you have to at least consider adding. You know you've got a really good club. You know you're close to being not only a playoff team, but you're close to being maybe more than a playoff team going deeper in the playoffs if you can add a guy here or a guy there. So you have to at least go to ownership and present that to them, which I'm sure that they're doing. I think the biggest stumbling block with all of these is, you know, are you able to get them on terms that fit you? I think the the stumbling block with some of these guys that are out there is the years that they want. So maybe it's a situation where you get creative and you give them a two-year contract with an out after each year. Right. Uh, So it just depends on how creative the Orioles want to be. And how creative their their front office wants to be in the sense of getting involved with these guys. But, you know, there's there's a couple of good arms out there. Uh, I'm sure the Orioles are dipping their toe in the water. And obviously, you know, you're not dealing with an easy agent. So you have to figure out how this can come to a head. But if I'm a pitcher, I look at the Orioles. I look at that lineup. I look at that youth. I look at the fact that they've got a lot of players coming from the offensive standpoint that can plug in if someone goes down. I mean, it's a heck of a place to pitch, so it, that's got to be appealing to some of those guys.
2: JP, mentioned the agent, which is Scott Boris, who represents both of them. I'm sure you had to deal with Scott Boris a time or two over the years. What What is it like, negotiation-wise, with Scott Boris?
1: I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. I mean, Scott loves baseball. He's a baseball guy at heart. You could talk baseball with him. I think if you are able to... Uh, tell him what you're trying to do and explain what you're trying to do and what you see in the player and how you think you're going to use the player. I think Scott is is really he's understanding in that regard. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have a friendship with him that he's going to make deals with you left and right. He's going to get the best bang for his buck. But in our history, you know, in Toronto we didn't have a big payroll. We only had a payroll of fifty fifty five million, so we couldn't get involved with too many of his players. But the ones we got, I had great dialogue with him. Um, and and I thought his his acumen on the game and understanding and when you could explain to him what you were trying to do I I, I had no problems with him but I never dealt with him on these major major contracts.
3: We've talked a bit about the uh, the Blue Jays on this show th- this week um, that Alec Manoa outing um, I got to think they're they're internally troubled by that I know he doesn't have to go out there and shelve for them with what they have with Gossman and some others but. That didn't look good. That that team just—I don't know. That doesn't. I don't know if all the pieces fit. Like they haven't really maximized their potential. I don't see a true leadoff hitter there. Like is Springer that guy anymore? And they're like, I guess maybe they thought Varsho could be, but I don't see that. Bichette. Like I don't know. They still look kind. Of, something seems off to me there. What are your expectations for the Blue Jays?
1: I like the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays are going to have a good year. I think you got Bichette and Vlad coming into the prime of their career. I think because they've been in the big league so long at a young age, people are expecting unbelievable things from them. But I think there comes a maturation process with that. I think their rotation top to bottom is good. If Manoa can come back, and I'm not so down on Manoa as everybody else is right now. I know he had a bad year last year, but some of the takeaways I take from his outing yesterday was his velocity was good, his body's in better shape than it was the year before. Just from an evaluation standpoint, he's opening up his front side. He couldn't get his arm through on the glove side. He couldn't finish his pitches. That's all stuff he can go to the bullpen and get. I think he was more concerned with what his velocity was going to be like. And the the touchy-feely stuff is going to come down the road. So if he bounces back, even if he gives them 150 innings and and can get 10 wins, that's like them making a a trade. So I think the Blue Jays are going to have a good club. I think they're going to be one of the better teams in the East, and I think that they're going to be the team that Baltimore uh, and the Yankees and Tampa Bay are really going to – have to fight it out with
2: what about those yankees jp very disappointing year last year went out made the big move bringing in juan soto how do you see them uh performing this year
1: i think the yankees are going to have a good year i think if Rondon comes back uh we had Rondon in san francisco when he's on he's as good as anybody you're going to face my biggest question with the yankees is their fourth and fifth starters i'm not sold that they're that deep i'm not sold that those guys are, are slam dunk guys that are going to give you the, the 150 to 200 innings you'd like to get. So, to me, the Yankees are going to come down to their depth in pitching. I think their offense is going to be fine. I think Soto is going to have a monster year in Yankee Stadium. I think Verdugo is going to have a big year in Yankee Stadium. So, those two additions, I mean, it's like the Yankees brought back Maris and Blanchard. You know, it was uh, the old left-handers that they used to stack in those lineups. I, I think those guys are going to hit home runs in that park. I think offensively they're going to be very, very good. Their depth on the mound is going to be their big question.
2: He's JP Ricciardi. JP, tell us about the podcast before we let you go.
1: Yeah, we're excited about it. It's uh, it's a different avenue for me, but I think it's going to be an opportunity for us to take people inside baseball in a different avenue. You know, my background is player development, scouting. I was a I was an area scout. I was a minor league player. I was a minor league coach. Uh, you know, my whole background is from the ground level up. So I'm going to be able, to, I think, to open up some doors to people. How is the trade come together? What happens in a trade? You know, what goes on at the trading deadline? Having been there for 25 years in a front office, I've seen a lot of those things that people will talk about, like player development. Well, what actually happens in player development? What actually happens in, at, the, at the draft? What actually happens at the trade deadline? So I think being able to bring people into that and be able to possibly give them some scouting uh, ideas of how you break down a player and what you see in a player that might make that player a little better. So I think it's going to be an exciting podcast that opens up a lot of different avenues and, and a different uh, mindset uh, to the average fan.
2: Awesome. Well, we look forward to it, JP. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Hopefully we can talk to you uh, throughout the season.
1: All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank Good you. luck.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.